Welcome to episode 166 of the Various and Sundry Podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from our virtual studio, not on the campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary. I'm joined by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who has recovered most of his voice, John Scott Sloat. Most of it, Doc. Most of it. The cough is still there. The the general, I don't know what the right word is, the general raspiness, the raspy feeling yeah. of the voice is still still yeah. there and still get a coughing fit every now and then. Hopefully not on today's pod, but I have the mute button today, yes. which I did not have last week when we were in studio. Yeah. Yeah. So we can hide that from the listeners. We did uh, have at least one listener, uh, Steve in Cincinnati, reach out and uh, uh, express some concern about your health. So appreciate that. Yeah. I think I'm on the men's still. I think I'm, I think I'm coming around. I mean, you know, you're a professional. You got to play hurt. Yeah. Yep. That's right. At, at this right. point, hey. at this point in the season, everybody's dinged up, right? Everybody's got the nagging injuries. No one's 100% healthy. You just got to play through it. Doc, what is our off season? Do we even have one? I mean, we've been going every <laughs> week since know. January of 2020. Yeah. 166 straight weeks now. How far can yeah. we go? I don't know. But and I at think what point do we become more. Cal Ripken, where this the streak <laughs> just becomes so integral to who we are that we just we can't take a break? Yeah, like like do we yeah, go five hundred and say we're taking a month off? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we are legitimately facing our biggest challenge coming up this May because uh, you and I yeah. will both be gone for about a week and a half. Uh, leading grace trips. Uh, you'll be in New York City. I'll be in London and Brussels. And so um, that's going to make it very difficult to record. So we will have to have one of our high-level planning sessions to see if we're going to record uh, content in advance or whether we're just going to let the streak go. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's tough, isn't it? Oh, that's so hard. I know. Mm. I know we, we, uh, I mean, uh, if you as listeners want to chime in, want to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at VNS pod. You can email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and YouTube, uh, reach out, let us know what you think. Should we go ahead and hit pause on the streak and, uh, and not record in advance or, should we go ahead and uh, put some some content in the can and just roll it out uh, while we're while we're uh, apart uh, on different continents? Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, goodness, yeah. I wouldn't know what to do. Uh, yeah, we'll have to figure something out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I have no ideas right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm torn. I'm torn. Um, I, I'm sure we might have some offers to guest host the pod. I know. I was just thinking about that. Like, I'm sure <laughs> there's three I to five people out there that would love to step in. Uh, and there are some people pod. who are itching to uh, to 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 use the microphones of the various and sundry podcasts. But you know, listen. I mean, we don't take this bully pulpit lightly, and so we're not <laughs> just 
lightly going to hand it off to anybody and uh, and go that route. We're going to have to think this through. Probably going to have to check with our legal team to make sure that's even allowed, given our uh, very detailed contracts. So, yeah, yeah. just have to make sure that we don't violate any of those. But Yeah, I mean, we could run into some name image likeness uh, problems as well. Yeah, Uh, can't have the NCAA cracking down on us. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's All right, move John. on to sports, shall yeah. we? Yeah, let's let's talk some sports here. Um, so we are in the midst of basketball uh, madness here. It's March now, officially. Um, and so uh, college basketball season is ramping up. Regular season is done. Conference tournaments are underway this week. And, and this um, Sunday is Selection Sunday, right? Yeah, when this episode drops on Tuesday the 7th, they'll, we'll just be a matter of like four days away. Uh, uh, yeah, four days away from the drop of the brackets. And you have the bracket challenge set up, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's live. We got uh, five to seven guys in there, guys and gals in there right now. Okay. So yeah, people can go click the link in the show notes. Um, if you were in it last year, you should have gotten an email from Yahoo inviting you yeah. back. Uh, my favorite bracket name thus far was uh, uh, Serious and Vundery uh, podcast. <laughs> okay, all right, a little little play on the uh, on the podcast name. I can I can appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, um, yeah, do you yeah, have any he, idea who that is? Uh, I believe Grant. I believe that's Grant. Would that be our? He's our defending champion. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, he won it last year. Yeah, so we'll we'll offer another signed copy of one of my books uh, as the uh, as the grand prize, um, unless you win it again, John, or unless I win it, which in case yeah. I don't need copies of my own books. Um, but or signed copies of your own books. That's right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, have you watched any college basketball? Uh <laughs> uh oh. The, the the mute uh, button has come out. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I actually hit the video button and, and got rid of myself there for a second as well. Uh, I, I've watched a couple of games, not not a ton, but I've watched a little bit. Um, it's been exciting to be in Indiana. IU has been playing well. Purdue mm-hmm. playing very well also. So that, that's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But other than that, just a, just a game here or there. Not a ton. I think the tournament will be pretty wide open this year. I don't think there's a uh, a dominant team going in, and um, I think even even the, a lot of the one seeds that I see, you know, one night they'll look good, and other nights they look incredibly vulnerable. So um, I I don't know what to make of it, which means maybe I've got a chance uh, to win. Who knows? Um, I think I, I've won one bracket competition in my entire lifetime. Have you won really? more than one? I know you you won our initial one a couple years ago. Yeah, that was the I believe that was the first one I've won. I've been in the mix before. Like I remember one year, um, I had three of the four final final four teams, and then lost it by a handful of points mm-hmm. uh, because Kansas lost to Kentucky. If you remember that year, that was the Anthony Davis year. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think that was the only time I've ever won. Yeah, the only time I won was when I was a doctoral student at Wheaton, and we did a pool among faculty, like uh, PhD faculty, and 
um, and also PhD students. And um, I, I managed to prevail in that one. Um, so that, that was another, uh, you know, a major accomplishment of mine during my doctoral oh, yeah. studies at Wheaton, you know, so that, that, that goes on line three, maybe of the CV, uh, to, yeah. uh, to make sure that's, <laughs> that's on there. Yeah. Beat Doug Wu um, in bracket. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He wasn't too happy about that, to be honest. So who's, who's Doug's uh, team? Who, who does he root for? Uh, he's kind of a Notre Dame guy. Okay. Though okay. in fairness, he is a consistent person. I, I'm going to throw some shade at, at, at some of our listeners, I'm sure in this, but the, the kind of fan who's like, well, I'm an IU basketball fan and a Notre Dame football fan. Stop. Just stop. Pick a, pick a uh, team. Pick a team and go all in. Yeah. Right? Like, just come on. Stop that. That's just ridiculous. Uh, anyway. So he's consistent awesome. Notre Dame football, he is basketball. consistent Notre Dame, which I appreciate. Hockey as well? Uh, I'm assuming so. I'm not sure how much he follows hockey. Okay. But... Um, let's talk some NBA, your Knicks. They're on yeah. fire. It's been huge. Yeah. They're, they've won nine straight. The atmosphere in the locker room is su- supposedly really good right now. Jalen Brunson <coughs> is having, uh, is having quite the, quite the little season. Uh, Julius Randall had, you know, 40 some odd points the other day, uh, Emmanuel quickly coming off the bench, playing really well. I mean, it's been it's been a it's been a good season thus far. Yeah, nine I in saw, a row. I saw a little bit of their game um, last night, so Sunday night, the double overtime win over um, over the Celtics. Yeah, and yeah, uh, man, quickly looked terrific. He was uh, impossible to stop. Yeah, but, he's um, he's a little energizer bunny out there, or uh, uh, you know, he's just. Running all over the place, very, very energetic. He's fun to watch. Yes. Um, so the Knicks are currently, I think, sitting in fifth in the East. Fifth, fifth, and I think a game or two behind uh, the the Cavs for fourth. Yeah. Yep. So um, that Just could be an game. interesting first round matchup. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I saw a little bit of. Uh, the Suns, I forget, now I forget who they were playing. I was just paying attention really. To, it was maybe it was the Suns and Mavericks. I think. Well, so. Kevin Durant came back, right? Yes. So, uh, yes, it was that because that was, I think that was Sunday as well. I think in that game, there were four players who scored more than 30 points. Durant and Booker scored over 30, and so did um, Kyrie and Luca. So <laughs> it was a lot of fun to watch. I bet. Um, I bet, but yeah, I think, I think with some of the trades that happened at the trade deadline and as well as now with, you know, LeBron's injury, when will he come back? Will the Lakers, you know, stay in the play in game. Um, I think if LeBron is back and reasonably healthy, they could actually make a decent run into the Western conference playoffs, but, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, spring training baseball as well. Uh, anything you want to touch on on there since more, that's more your department than mine. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, this week, all the players are leaving to go play in the world baseball classic. So I believe that was started once baseball got eliminated from uh, the Olympics. And so they moved Mm -hmm. and had this world baseball classic and it happens, I think this next week, 
so spring training is kind of kind of on hold, uh, and what it'll be down for like a couple of weeks, and players will be back in time for the regular season, but they're going to the World Baseball Classic. I don't even know where it's at or where they're showing it, but it's coming up. Yeah, um, I, I to be honest, that's not even on my radar. So um, it'll be interesting. I mean, I I also don't watch a lot of ESPN either, so I don't know if the ESPN's doing anything with it, talking about it. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Um, the big news out of spring training, though, has been the pitch clock. I'm assuming you've heard yeah. about this. Oh, yeah. We've talked a little bit about it before. Yeah. Uh, people have hot takes about the pitch clock. Some people really don't <laughs> like it. In fact, there's a bracket in our uh, in our uh, in our uh, Yahoo site that says get rid of the pitch clock or something oh, to wow. that effect. Okay. Um, so, so the benefit of the pitch clock is these games are finishing in two and a half hours. Yeah. Almost yeah, 60 minutes a, quicker. Yeah. I did see a, a clip on Twitter where somebody compared the same pitcher uh, between, you know, no pitch clock and uh, pitch clock. And in the time it took the guy to throw like one pitch without a pitch clock, he had thrown like three or four with uh with the advent of the pitch clock i think that that's going to be here to stay uh they might tweak it i don't know in terms of like time and that sort of stuff but i, I think that's that's going to be a i think once the players are done complaining the fans are going to yep. love it fans are so. going to love it and i also think the um i, I think the networks are going to like it that, that carry baseball i know it cuts down uh, you know, theoretically on maybe some, some ad spaces, maybe not, I don't know, but I would think more people will watch. I agree. Know. I, I think more, more eyeballs, you can watch a game without it taking up your whole day. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I mean, you start yeah. a game and it's three and a half, four hours. My goodness. That's the, that's half your day. Uh, right. But yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think it's really gonna, really gonna, uh, help people watch, uh, watch the game. There, there have been pitchers who are using it to their advantage. So uh, they'll throw a pitch the min- the second a guy gets into the batter's box to throw him mm-hmm. off. Or if he gets in the batter's box early, make him stand there for the whole length of the pitch clock and then throw it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's changed this year, Doc, you remember Pitchcom last year where catchers could hit buttons to communicate to their pitcher what pitch they wanted to throw do you remember this pitch com i don't actually know yeah so that was a thing they had catchers would have like a little wristband and they could press buttons on it and would hit an earpiece to the pitcher telling them what pitch they want them to throw well now pitchers have that wristband and they can punch in and say what pitch they want to throw to the catcher and that is speeding things up really quickly too which is pretty cool yeah well and i would think you know it certainly also eliminates uh, sign stealing when you've got a guy on second base and you know, yeah. they have to, you know, when the runners are on, they go to the whole complicated, you know, four or five different signs and only the, only the pitcher and catcher know which one is the actual, uh, indicator of what pitch to throw. But, uh, yeah, that'll be, that's interesting. I did I did not know about that one. Yeah. Yep. So that started in the wake of the Astros, uh, in the trash can situation. <laughs> That's right. Um, 
we should also mention before we wrap up our sports segment, um, uh, Grace Basketball. The last episode that dropped uh, dropped bef- uh, the day of Grace's uh, championship game against um, uh, Huntington. And that was a wild, wild game. Uh, Grace pulled it out late. I think they ended up winning by six. But they tr- they started out the game on a 9-0 run. And then by and then they just went cold. And then a minute into the second half, they were down 16. Yeah. Um, rallied all the way back. Uh, didn't take their first lead in the second half until like a minute and a half left. So it was a... <sighs> It was a long, uh, but it was, it's the, it was capacity crowd at, at the arena. It's the loudest I've ever heard that building. That's fun. And, um, it's just a great atmosphere. Like Huntington isn't that far away. So they had a decent size, uh, fan base there and they were loud and obnoxious and our fans were loud and sadly also obnoxious at points. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, yeah uh, that's, they, that's part of it. You know, it is. it is. So they won Crossroads League tournament. They are now in the NAIA uh, national tournament and are hosting one of the 16 pods that they do for the first two rounds. And uh, they will play this episode will drop on Tuesday. So this uh, the same day that this episode drops. Grace will play Columbia International University. Grace is one of the four one seeds. So Columbia is a 16 seed. And then uh, assuming Grace wins that, uh, they would play the winner of Olivet Nazarene, the team that Grace beat last year at their place to advance to the Sweet 16, and Madonna. So the winner of that game, uh, the, the two winners of those games will play uh, Wednesday night. So this this Grace team is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, they're a good team, and uh, hopefully we can stick it to these two teams that we play, or I assume two games, and uh, we can advance. Yeah. And go uh, to Kansas ru- City, right? That's where they play? Yes, yes. Yeah, rumor has it that uh, Nate from Ohio will be in town. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So we shall see. We shall see. Interesting. But all right, John, you ready to move on? Sure. All right. Our topic for today is uh, we're, we're going to borrow the title of the article we're going to discuss. Uh, the title of the article is by uh, is uh, Why Are Young Liberals So Depressed? And it's an article by Matt. Is it Iglesias? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. Matt Iglesias. I know you struggle pronouncing names, so I'm glad I can step in and help you here. Yeah, helpful. I mean, when I when I typically think of Iglesi, Iglesias, I think of it starting with an I, but his name actually yep. begins with a Y. So uh, he wrote uh, an article that is um, essentially it is responding to um, a CDC uh, report or sorry, a study. It they did a youth risk behavior survey of American teenagers. Um, and so a lot of findings came out of that, um, in particular, uh, a pretty heavy emphasis on, uh, teenage girls suffering from extraordinarily high levels of sadness and depression. Uh, we can wander into that topic, uh, if we'd like, but 
Uh, Iglesias is more interested in trying to correlate uh, <clears throat> some of these progressive political views and uh, increased rates of depression among uh, progressives and liberals. So that's that's kind of the the, the thrust of it. Um, but um, let's see. I, I'm gonna let me read them. I think this is kind of his main point. Let me read this, and then I'll let you jump in here, John, and, and see what okay. you think. Uh, in reading the article, it seemed to me like his main point was this uh, couple of sentences here. Breaking things down by gender and ideology, they find that liberal girls have the highest increase in depressive effect and conservative boys have the least. But liberal boys are more depressed than conservative girls suggesting an important independent role for political ideology. So uh, th- that's kind of the idea here, basically. is there, He's looking at the data and saying, look, it's striking that the most no- notable contribution to this seems to be more political ideology than it is even um, <clears throat> gender. So what were your thoughts in, in, uh, as you read this uh, initially? Um, a, a couple of things. Uh, one, he he does nod to uh, Jonathan Haidt's suggestion that this is in part social media's uh, mm-hmm. uh, doing. Um, Agreed. And Matt Iglesias has a uh, what has a chart in there where it breaks down liberal boys, liberal girls, conservative girls, conservative guys, uh, sort of into mm-hmm. and where their depressive rates are at. And uh, <clears throat> couldn't get to the mute button in time. Uh, <laughs> as 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 I look at that chart, I mean, things really seem to ramp up around. Oh gosh, two thousand between two thousand eleven and two thousand fourteen. Uh, yep. That to me seems to be right in the sweet spot of the rise of social media. Yeah. Um, like I remember having Twitter in two thousand nine, and people thinking I was weird for having Twitter. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that 2011 to 2014 strike me as really the, 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 the sweet spot of that. So I, I do think it's a both and like, I, like, I don't think it's just social media. Um, but I, yeah, yeah. So that was one thought I had. Uh, and then I also had the thought, it's kind of always been true that liberals were a little bit more depressed than conservatives. And I think I think that's natural to the ideology, right? Conservatives generally are happy with the way things are, uh, very broadly speaking. Whereas yeah. as liberals want to progress and aren't as happy with the way things are, you know? And so, yeah, yeah. yeah th- those were some of my initial thoughts. Yeah, I do think that's probably, uh, I think you're onto something there for sure. Um, yeah, that that chart where it's it, it clearly... Um, ticks up starting with, you know, like you said, around 2011, and then just starts this, uh, almost this 45 degree angle up on the chart. Um, though it is interesting. If you look at that, um, female conservatives apparently stayed lower on the scale, less, uh, depressed than their, uh, liberal, uh, counterparts, until 2014 and that's when their line starts to 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 increase upward which is kind of an interesting dynamic there yeah i don't have an answer for that i don't know why that's why that's so i don't know 
I don't know. I mean, look, I, I think, um, I think there's a lot of factors that go into this, but, um, you know, I, I do think you're right that, uh, part of it is intrinsic to the, um, to the political ideologies. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's, uh, just the reality of, um, if you are progressive in your political uh, outlook, I think you probably are more susceptible to some of these, uh, you know, indicators of depression and and, and mental health issues. Uh, there was a line on uh, there was a he he has a quote in here from uh, oh what, are you talking I, about Taylor Lorenzo Lorenz. No, I'm talking about Jill Filipovich. Oh. Um, it's a little ways down in the article. There's a quote in there from her uh, that I thought was helpful, where she says, um, uh, quote, uh, I am increasingly convinced that there are tremendously negative long-term consequences, especially to young people, coming from this reliance on the language of harm and accusations that things one finds offensive are, quote, deeply problematic or even violent. Just about everything researchers understand about resilience and mental well-being suggests that people who feel like they are the chief architects of their own life, or to mix metaphors, that they captain their own ship, not that they are simply being tossed around by an uncontrollable ocean, are vastly better off than people whose default position is victimization, hurt, and a sense that life simply happens to them and they have no control over their response. So I thought that was actually uh, insightful that if your basic paradigm is, and again, these are very broad strokes, right? That conservatives tend to be more of the mind of well, yeah, there's bad things in the world, but I have a large degree of of uh, influence and maybe even control over many aspects of my life. Not all of them, yeah. but many aspects. Yeah. But but if your mindset is, I'm pretty much helpless and tossed around by all these cultural currents and uh, you know family situations or what whatever um, that understandably that can lead to higher levels of depression and, and and those kinds of mental health issues wouldn't you think oh yeah well i i i mean i think uh you know i thought you were going to quote taylor lorenz from from earlier in the article where she talks about sort of sort of uh the uh pro- probably the liberal outlook right uh uh taylor lorenz says we're living in a late stage capitalist hellscape during an ongoing deadly pandemic with record wealth inequality, zero social safety net and job security as climate change cooks the world. Yeah. End quote. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do think that's, you know, when, when that's your constant message of the doom and gloom, you know, oh my goodness, I had to go to college to get a job. Now I'm in such debt that I'll never get out. I'm never going to, ret- you know, you know, sort of this mm-hmm. like, even bigger than just like, there's nothing for me to do. It's just like, no, 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 no. It's worse than that. The the whole world is going to cave in on you. Uh, yeah. and the whole system set against you. Um, I, I think 
the optimism of a a broadly conservative ideology is, is helpful where it's like, no, 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 I can, I can, there are some things that are just going to be terrible in life. And, you know, I, I have been born in such times, but I'm going to do everything I can to make it, make it right and make it good. Uh, But uh, there's also, you know, and those, those people that have that outlook and ideology, I think tend to, to be less depressed uh, because they're, they're working to achieve something. Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I think this is also a place where, um, you know, it's helpful to, to think about uh, what, regardless of what's either side you're on in terms of the political spectrum, uh, that as believers, our primary allegiance obviously is to Jesus to his gospel, to his kingdom. And that part of the beauty of the gospel is that it both um, has an answer for why the world is as messed up as it is. Mm -hmm. And um, it also has an answer for what is the solution. And it also reminds us that uh, this, our lives now matter. They're important. They are at some level eternally significant, but this world is also not our home. Yeah. And so regardless of where we fall on the political spectrum, you can easily fall into idolatry when it comes to, if you're a progressive thinking, it all rests on us to try to transform the world into this utopian state. Or if you're a conservative, you can you can fall into the trap of, if we just... Uh, you know, fix the right things and return things back to the good old days and restore, yeah. you know, culture to what it was or, to, or biblical, uh, you know, to, to more biblical values, then everything will be great. And the reality is neither of those answers are ultimately what the gospel holds out, that our hope is in a new creation. Our hope is in a, in a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells and it's ruled over not by a you know not by a benign president and uh, a Congress and a, and a and a Supreme Court, but ruled over by Jesus, who is yeah. you know executive, legislative, and judicial branch all in one, <laughs> and will do so perfectly. And so I think that it's those kinds of things that either direction you go on the political spectrum, you can easily fall into a form of idolatry where you try to you put too much hope in this. Uh, in transforming this world or restoring this world. And that's a problem that I think we as believers need to call out uh, as we see it. Yeah, no, uh, 100% agreed. Um, uh, we only got a few minutes left on this segment, but um, do you do you want to touch on it all? The, um, you know, he, he links to the Jonathan Haidt article. I would encourage people to read that. I think it's really good. He basically lays out how social media um, are especially damaging to girls' psychological health. And there's a link to his article in there that I think, that, and that article is really good. It's called uh, Facebook's, let's see here, let me get, pull it up. The Dangerous Experiment on Teen Girls by Jonathan Haidt. And that's in the, uh, that's in the Atlantic, but uh, we can throw a link into the show notes um, on that. But, um, 
Yeah. What did you I, think of uh, uh, Matt Iglesias' answer uh, to some of these problems, where we have to reframe our problems, we have to uh, think through them more carefully? Do you think there's any? I mean, from a from a secular standpoint, uh, mm-hmm. is, is is that a helpful answer? Is that not good enough? There's better answers out there. Yeah, I mean, I think from a secular perspective, that's I think that's a helpful piece. Um, you know, he he does talk about uh, even the value of kind of unplugging from some of these uh, kind of situations and networks. I mean. There's a running joke in the Harmon house that before we check Twitter, we often say, okay, let's go find out what I'm supposed to be angry about. Yeah. <laughs> Just as a reminder of, okay, th- this this platform, maybe more than any other social media, is oriented towards outrage. You know, uh, Instagram has its own issues. Facebook has its own issues. But it seems like Twitter in particular is um, oriented towards uh, stoking outrage or finding things you're supposed to be outraged about. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's interesting. One of the simple suggestions that he makes in there is basically like unplug from it. Yeah. Like unplug from it. Uh, and you know, if you're, if you're constantly just immersing yourself in the sort of doom and gloom of social media posts about, you know, the, we're going to have this climate catastrophe in 10 years. We're going to, you know, the, the economy is going to crash through the floor. Uh, there's going to be a civil war in the United States, like all these sort of doom and gloom things. Um, I, I think it is helpful to say, maybe I don't need to be immersed in that context. And that doesn't mean that you don't care about those issues necessarily. It just means you're choosing not to allow them to dominate your mm-hmm. mind in an unhealthy way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I'm, if I, I think I've said this before, if I had a job that allowed me to get rid of a smartphone, I think I would. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's worth considering. Yeah. If I had a, if, if my phone was not my key to my hotel room when I travel, (laughs) I I think that, (laughs) and I wasn't so dependent on Google uh, to get places. I I think I'd strongly consider getting rid of it. Yeah, I mean, the nature of your job in particular, I think, is as much as you're uh, dealing with email and, and stuff like that. And I mean, you also re, uh, you, you re-entered Facebook when I you did. started this new role. Yeah. I don't know how much you're on it, but... Um, mm, pro- I mean, it's an app on my phone that I open, you know, yeah. and it's, yeah, easy to scroll. So, yeah, for sure. But, you know, honestly, I think one piece that's missing from this conversation, and it's understandable just because it's not a Christian author coming from a Christian perspective. Um, I think the more real flesh and blood in-person relationships you have, the healthier you're, you're going to tend to be and the less dependent you're going to be on social media for identity and even just your your sense of purpose, I think. If you're embedded in real life, flesh and blood relationships, and in particular as a Christian, if you're plugged into a local church, you're in a small group maybe where people know you and you know them, uh, I just know 
it is easy to demonize people when you just see a tweet. Yeah. But when they're a real human being in front of you, even if they hold those same views, it just is it's just different, right? You you're probably not going to say the the sort of snarky uh sarcastic comment because you've got a real human being in front of you. Oh yeah. So I mean, yeah. I, I mean, face to face with people just changes the way you disagree. Um, yeah. I ju- I just think it's going to be healthier. I think I think that uh, having friendships across the aisle, so to speak, is a is ultimately a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we will post uh, links to the Iglesias article, and then John, why don't you make sure you pull out the Jonathan Height link in that and put that as a separate yeah. link uh, for people to check out. But uh, I think it's probably time for us to move on. You ready to move on? Yep. Time now for This Day in Sports History. <sighs> okay, This Day in Sports History, March 7th, 2023. Uh, on this day in sports history in 1857, I didn't even know there were sports then, uh, baseball. <laughs> Decides nine inning constitutes an official game, not nine runs. Apparently, it was nine runs at one point. Yeah, but isn't it wild to think that's before the Civil War? That's how long baseball has been around. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Uh, and now they got a pitch clock. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, hopping forward a hundred and gosh, uh, 30 some years. years. Uh, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, breaks his own NHL season record with 136 assists. Good for Wayne. The great one. The great one. That's a good nickname as an athlete. Yeah, I'd say. Um, One year later, 1987, Mike Tyson beats James Bone Crusher Smith. Uh, by unanimous decision in a 12-round match in Las Vegas uh, for the WBA heavyweight boxing title. Did you ever watch I mean, Tyson? Yeah. Yeah, he was he was amazing. Uh, not not a lot because by then a lot of stuff had moved on to pay-per-view and I, you know, obviously was not in high school ready to drop money on that. But um yeah. With a name like James Smith, you need a you need a nickname. You like need Bone that nickname. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Who's afraid of James Smith? You know, that's your that's your accountant. That's that's not yeah. a boxer. All right. Uh, uh, nine years later, ninety six, Magic Johnson, second NBA player to reach ten thousand career assists. Who was the first? Uh, I don't know. My guess would be Oscar Robertson, maybe. Okay. And then I imagine John Stockton passed him. Yes, I believe John Stockton is the all-time leader. That was my understanding as well. Okay. Uh, 10 years after that, 2016. Excuse uh, me, 20, 20 years, years after that. I got that <laughs> wrong. Uh, Peyton Manning announces his retirement from the Denver Broncos in the NFL after winning yeah. the Super Bowl. Yes, yes. It, in with which the, he played terribly, Broncos. if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was not good. The Broncos won that with their defense, for sure. Uh, also in 2016, uh, Russian uh, tennis, I think it's fair to say superstar, 
Maria yeah. Sharapova nice. reveals she failed a drug test uh, for uh, meldium. Meldium. I don't know. <laughs> at Meldonium, the Australian Open. I think. Meldonium. Uh, at the Australian Open in January. Subsequently, she was suspended for 15 months. Why 15 months? I don't know. That feels very I, arbitrary. I'm 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 now going to quickly look up what meldonium uh what is it for? Um let's see here. It is used for Come on. Ugh. It is used for as a met- metabolic modulator. Changing how some some hormones accelerate or slow down enzymatic reactions in the body. So it changes your metabolism. I and have that's no apparently idea. I don't know any words you just said. Um I, I bet you could ask Andrea though. She would my know wife all would of know. those words. And she would be able she to explain would. to you probably what mel- meldonium does. She probably could. Um uh, you got a preference out of those, John? Oh my goodness! Um, maybe baseball deciding to go to nine innings. Okay, um, you did not agree with that one. Um, <laughs> I'm okay with it. I don't think I've been my preference. I mean, here, here's the thing: here, we get into the challenge of you start, you get into a not a rut, but a lot of the same names come up over and over again, right? So, oh yeah. You know, Peyton Manning, Magic Johnson, Wayne Gretzky, Mike Tyson, all those come up regularly. So I, I think I probably would put it down between Sharapova and um, baseball going to nine innings. You want to go with baseball, right? Well, one, I love baseball. Two, I love the nostalgia that there was a time when it wasn't nine innings. <laughs> okay. All right. We can go with that. Let's go with that. Ah, baseball. One thing you liked. Uh, I have recently started a book. Um, uh, as a part of the Dispatch Book Club that I'm a part of, uh, called American Midnight, The Great War, A Violent Peace, and Democracy's Forgotten Crisis. Uh, wow. Basically covering the time from uh, World War One uh, through uh, the Roaring Twenties and sort of just everything that happened in there. Apparently there's a lot of history. We don't, you know, we kind of go from world war one to Al Capone and uh, we don't talk <laughs> about a lot of other things going on in that time frame. Yeah. So okay. yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's been an interesting read. I mean, I just read about a violent mob in Tulsa, uh, a court, uh, they, they arrested these workers and, you know, these workers, although, with no evidence, were convicted, and on the way they were jumped by a group, tarred, literally tarred and feathered, uh, and sent <laughs> running into the woods. Uh, and okay. who did this to them? Well, the chief of police did in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and this was apparently a fairly common occurrence. So fascinating. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I am going to go with. Um, I wasn't sure how to quite describe this, but it's just been a great week of basketball between the grace game on Tuesday night of last week. And then uh, this Saturday, Lakeland uh, Christian played in their sectional tournament. Um, 
won their semifinal game on Saturday morning, came back Saturday night, lost the championship game. Um, but uh, in between, uh, my lovely bride and I, we came down to Fort Wayne and popped in on the slopes. Yeah, that was fun. To see your your lovely new home. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Give you give you the the nickel tour and I think it was closer to a quarter. I mean, that was yeah. uh it's a, it's a good size house and uh you, you uh you left no stone unturned. So Yeah. Yeah. So it was we enjoyed having you guys up here for even though it was it was brief. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um all right. We have talked some basketball, both NBA and college. We have talked about why are young liberals so depressed. We have talked about baseball moving from nine runs to nine innings for an official game. We have talked about American Midnight, a book with fascinating historical tidbits that John did not know. Yeah. And we've talked about a fun week of basketball. So I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is, until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.